0: Now this is maybe a, a dangerous question to ask, but how many of you feel like you're a little more forgetful than you once were? <laughs> i'm feeling it i'm feeling it. I think at forty five i shouldn't be feeling that yet uh, but uh, I'm, I'm a list I'm a, I've always been a list guy, so if I make a list, I can work off my list, I can accomplish what i 'm trying to do so what what i 'm done now is I've, I start to use my phone for these lists. So uh, like yesterday while the, the ladies were here uh, turning, turning lemons to lemonade, uh, I was working around the house. So now I've got my phone and I've got my list and as I did something, I would, you, you don't scratch it off anymore like you did with a paper and pen, right? You just delete it. But the problem is, and Sarah comes home and says, well, what you do today? And I look at my list and there's nothing there. <laughs> and uh, I don't, it's not that bad, Uh, but uh, man, I forget things. If I don't write it down, uh, if you've been around me long enough, you've heard me say, if I don't write it down, I won't remember to do it. And you know, it's not so bad if you just forget to pick up milk on the way home. If you forget a birthday or an anniversary, it's a bigger deal. And, And the same, I think, with our walk with the Lord. If we forget the name of the guy that threw rocks at King David when King David was, was uh, leaving Jerusalem because Absalom was uh, making a claim on the throne, eh, it's not really that big of a deal. But uh, if we forget that we've been saved by grace through faith and what Jesus did on the cross, now we're, now we're talking about, now we're getting into some trouble. So this morning we're gonna look, as we're continuing the book of Joshua, some things that, that God wanted the people of Israel to remember. And so um, we've been looking at the, the children of Israel. They came to the edge of the Jordan River. Last week we talked about how they crossed over in faith. The, the Ark of the Covenant was in front of them. Uh, they kept their eyes on the Ark. They were following the, the lead of God as he led them using the Ark. And we watched them, the priests in faith, step into the rivers of the Jordan and the waters were parted. And uh, so the big question we've been looking at is, uh, will, the, will the people of Israel now respond in faith to what God's telling them, or will they continue in the unbelief that saw them turned away 40 years earlier? So last week they crossed the river in faith, uh, they had the, the promise of God, God was showing them the way with the ark, and, uh, and now we find them on the other side of the Jordan River, and, and God wants them to remember some things. And so we're gonna be looking in uh, Joshua chapter four and five, and you'll notice if you, if you read through chapters uh, three and four, it's not like a perfectly chronological account, it kind of jumps back and forth. And so uh, we're gonna start here at the beginning of chapter four, we already read some of it last week. Uh, but Joshua chapter four, start in verse one. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe and Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that would be 12, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you'll be able to tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Jump down to verse 19, where it continues to talk about these stones. It says, the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, a little bit of repetition, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us when we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may not fear, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, as we look at it this morning, I pray that we would uh, take heed of what it says, that we would uh, seek how we can make an p- application to our lives, uh, that we would be changed because of our time spent together here. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the people of Israel crossed over the Jordan River to this place called Gilgal. And uh, Gilgal would become an important place for the Israelites. This was sort of their base of operation um, during the conquest of the land. Uh, You'll read later on that this is where King David was crowned the king of Israel. We'll see uh, later on, Elisha and Elijah had a a school for the prophets here. So a lot happened right here at Gilgal, and Joshua, or the Lord commanded Joshua to take these 12 stones and to make a memorial here in this place. Now, um, as we get started this morning, Let me just jump ahead real quick, and you can jump there with me, to Joshua chapter five, verse one. We haven't read it yet, but we will in a minute. Now as soon as the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they crossed over, their hearts melted, and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. So the people have crossed the river, the, the, the Canaanites have uh, observed this, they've witnessed it, they've, they've heard about it, and their hearts melted in fear, basically thinking, man, we are done for. These people are coming for us. We will not be able to uh, stop them. And it, so it's really interesting as we start to look at these uh, verses this morning, that you would think if you were one of those soldiers crossing the river, you would think, let's go get them. Let's, Let's get them while the fear is still in them. Let's get them while they are quaking in their boots, so to speak. But God has a few things that he wants them to do before they continue with the conquest. And that's what we're looking at this morning. The first thing God wanted them to do was to remember God's work in their life. He wanted them to remember what he had done for them. So verse six, here in chapter four, um, this is where, where where Joshua says, well, when your children come and say, what is this for? Verse six says, this may be a sign among you. When you see these, 12 stones, this memorial, you should remember the day that you crossed the Jordan River on dry ground during flood season. It wasn't something that you did, this was a mighty work of God, a miracle of God in your life that you were able to cross over the Jordan River. And then the second thing this was for was for your children, so that when your children come and say, hey, what are these stones for? You'll be able to say, God worked mightily on our behalf The priests stepped their foot into the river and the the waters dried up, and we all crossed over on dry ground. And then the third thing in verse, uh, we've gotta jump down to verse 24. When your children say, what do these stones mean? This is where God dried up the, the Jordan River, just like he dried up the Red Sea, and he did it so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. This was something that God did. It wasn't something that the Israelites did. This is something that God did on their behalf so that you would fear the Lord your God forever. So that no matter what you were doing in the future, you would remember that God worked mightily on your behalf and if he worked mightily on your behalf in the past, he can do it again in the future. So let me ask you this morning as we're we're here together, what are significant moments in your life that you have seen the hand of God at work? Now you probably don't have a pile of stones in your front yard to remember those things, but do you have times in your life where you can look back and say, I remember when God did this? Some of you came in, maybe even most of you came in through that, this, this door over here. Um, and when you come in, both walls are lined with pictures. And if you ever stop to look at the pictures, you'll see, I think there's maybe eight years worth of camp pictures, for four years on each wall. And why do we put those pictures up there? It's fun to go, oh, look how, look, look how small you know, so-and-so was, and what, what, you know, what do they do? That's, you know, it's kind of fun. Um, but we don't put those pictures up to say, "Man, we've been doing pretty good." Do you see how many kids we have coming to camp every year? We put the pictures up to remind us, "Wow, look at what God did! Look at the kids that came this year and heard that God loved them." And you know the uh, the, the interesting thing about camping. Let me give you this story, so that when you see those pictures, you'll also remember this. Um, in, in the in the in the I don't know, maybe in the year 2000, 2010, somewhere in that range. Um, Lots of good ministry happening at camp. Uh, One of the things that wasn't happening was there was not enough funds to pay for camp. So we charged, uh, I don't know how much we charged, Gary could tell you, ask Gary after the service. We charged for kids to come to camp, they would pay their fees, they would come, and they would have a good time at camp. And then at the end of the year, We spent more money on camp than what the kids paid to come to camp. So the church would just kind of cover the cost of it. So in 2009, 2010, the camp board was meeting and praying and, and discussing how are we going to continue to do ministry? And somebody on the camp board said, you know what? We're in the middle of this recession. Why don't we offer camp for free and trust God with the finances? So um, they, I don't know, I wasn't there. They talked, they prayed and they said, let's do that. So they went to the church and said, we think that God wants us to offer this camp for free. And the church leadership said, okay, we're with you. And so we've offered camp for free since, it was either 2009 or 2010. And we, the camp has been in the black every year since. Praise Praise the Lord. And you say, well, how do we do that? Well. the bottom line is it's God at it work. You know, some of the nuts and bolts is you could go and see Mike after the service and get tickets to the dinner theater here on September the 11th and have a good time with your, with your friends and your family and that helps pay for it. But the bottom line is by the generous giving of God's people, God is providing year after year after year for this camp. So when we walk in and we see those pictures, we don't think about, man, we've, we're doing pretty good. We see the pictures of those kids, and we think, wow, God is doing a work through Canal Lake Bible Camp. So the, the memorial that, that God had the people of Israel build was not just to say, wow, God is doing a work. Do you remember when God brought us through on the Red Sea? It's not just to look to the past and say, man, that was great, or even, "Ben, oh, I wish we could go back and do that again. But wow, if God did that before, what will he do in the future? And so when, we, when we're reminded of God's work in our lives in the past, then we look forward to what God's gonna do in the future. So uh, they crossed the river. Joshua said, we're gonna build a memorial. We want to remember how God has worked in our lives. But then he also said to one the, of the people to remember what God had instructed them to do. And so in Joshua chapter five, they built the memorial, this was the next thing. At that time the Lord said to Joshua, verse two, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gilbeth Harloth. and this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. And we've talked about that because of their unbelief. They were not able to enter the promised land and so they were in the wilderness for uh, 40 years. Uh, Though the people who had come out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after 40 years, after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation the men of war who came out of the Egypt perished because they would not obey the voice of the Lord. The, voice, the, the Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to the fathers to give us, a, flan, a land flowing with milk and honey. So it was that their children, whom he raised up in their place, that Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been along the way. So circumcision was the sign of the covenant between God and his people, Israel. And this was the command to Abraham that they would circumcise their uh, sons on the eighth day. And we find that these, the people of Israel had not done that during the 40 years that they were in the wilderness. And it's so interesting when we, when we look at this covenant that God made with Abraham in, in Genesis chapter 17, this is where the people of Israel were first Promised the land of Canaan. And Genesis chapter 17, starting in verse 4 says, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. This is God speaking to Abraham. You shall no longer uh, be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. This is God's promise to Abraham. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. God's saying, I'm giving you the land of Canaan. It hadn't Uh, Abraham never saw the day when it was their land, but here are the people of Israel entering into the land of Canaan to claim the land that God had promised to them. But this is what God said to Abraham, verse nine, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. So this is, the, this is the promise of God, I will bless you, I will make you a great nation, I will give you this land, you are to circumcise uh, all the males that are born to you. And, and so we see that the children of Israel, they are stepping into the promised land, into the land of Canaan, to claim the promise that God had promised to them, with a whole generation of uncircumcised men. It's kind of a foolish thing, don't you think? The promise of God, I will give you the land of Canaan. What I'm requiring of you is to circumcise your your males when they're born. And so here they are, hundreds of years later, saying, okay God, we're ready, give us the land. And God said, but you haven't circumcised your male children. They They were moving forward in faith, believing God. Yes, we're gonna take the land. But they had this area in their lives that they were not being obedient. And so some might call that hypocrisy, right? To the people of Israel. You call yourselves the children of God but you're not circumcising uh, the the boys that are born. What do we we hear today? You call yourself a Christian but you don't have any more compassion for people than I do. You call yourself a Christian but you don't, uh, your language is no different than my language. We, we find the people, the children of Israel here, ready to claim the promises of God, but they weren't really dealing with some of the things that God had asked them to do. So the question this morning is, what do we have in our lives that we need to confess that we have not been obedient to? We call ourselves Christians, we call ourselves uh, people, members of the House of Prayer, we call ourselves Christ followers, we, we do canal-like Bible camp, and we, we do Wednesday night ministries that we're gearing up to in the ladies' Bibles and the men's Bible studies. Are there areas in our life though that we've just kind of neglected that we need to put, pay a little bit more attention to? God says to the people of Israel as they come into the Promised Land, I want you to remember the things that I've instructed you to do. So what has God called us to do that we need to confess and say, Lord, we're not, I'm not really doing this like I should be. Their circumcision didn't save them. Um, it wasn't, uh, it didn't give them faith. It just signified we are God's people. It was, it was an outward sign of the relationship that they had with God. Now similarly, we would, uh, today we don't circumcise for the purpose of a covenant with God, but we, when we, um, when we become a Christian, we encourage uh, believers to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. It is an outward demonstration of an inward reality that's happened within us. Um, and so that is something that we, we do today that's similar to what they were doing. But I think generally speaking, there could be uh, any area in our life that we are, are not yielding to God. We're moving forward in faith, we're moving forward in obedience in, in many areas, but what areas are we just saying, uh, we've just kinda neglected, and we're not really dealing with. God's calling us to be obedient in those areas. Sometimes it takes a big step of faith to deal with those things that we've not been dealing with. And we see this in, in Joshua chapter five here, verse eight. It's the next verse. When when the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. Think about this, you are an army crossing into enemy territory and the first thing you do is uh, incapacitate your your fighting men. You know, at the very least they're gonna be hampered or uh, not very uh, eager to go out and, and fight in a battle. So you, you have the whole army sitting at home, healing, recovering, resting. This is a major step of faith for the people of Israel who, you know, I don't, I don't know where the Canaanites were or what they were doing, but if you were, if you were in, in their position, you think, man, we are leaving ourselves vulnerable But if this is what God's calling us to do, then we'll trust his wisdom and we'll obey. Sometimes it takes a big step of faith to deal with an area in our lives that we have left neglected. So uh, where are we not living in complete obedience? What things in our lives do we need to confess and deal with today? God calls us to remember the work that he's done in our lives in the past. He calls us to remember his instructions and the things that we are to do before him. And then the last thing he calls them to do here on the banks of the Jordan before they go to take the land is to remember God's salvation. And we see this in in, uh, verses 10 through 12 so God said to them, remember what I've done for you, build the, build the stone memorial, remember the things that I've called you to do, and, he, and they circumcised their, uh, their males that had not been circumcised, and then God said, remember that I'm the one who saves. And they partook of the Passover together. Um, if, we, if we went back to Exodus chapter 12, we would see, um, We won't read through it uh, this morning, but we've talked about this before. You could read Exodus chapter 12. What is the Passover? Why did they do it? Well, uh, God was doing a work to um, have the people of Israel freed from slavery in Egypt. And there was a series of plagues that um, God plagued uh, the the nation with. And the final plague, the 10th plague, was the death of the firstborn of every family. And, uh, and so, in preparation for this, God said to the people of Israel, look, this is how you can be spared. Uh, you'll, you'll take a lamb, uh, a lamb that's a year old, without blemish, you'll bring it into your home, uh, you're gonna kill the lamb, you're gonna cook it, you're gonna eat it, and everyone's gonna stay inside that night, and you'll put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, and when the, when the angel of the Lord comes that night, uh, he'll see the blood of the, of the lamb on the doorpost, and he will pass over that household, and so that's where we get the term, the Passover. So it was first um, instituted in Egypt, and God said to the people of Israel, um, let's look at uh, Exodus chapter 12, we'll we'll look at a few of these, a couple verses, 25 and 27, through 27 in Exodus chapter 12. This is what God said about the Passover. You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you as he has promised, this is where they are, they've just come to the land that the Lord um, will give you as promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service, this, this Passover meal that they would observe? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshiped. The Passover, the, the, the purpose of the Passover was to remind the people of the great work of God to redeem them from the land of Egypt, to, 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 to save the firstborn, but also then uh, to deliver them into freedom where they could eventually get to the promised land. Now we don't really know, um, as, as we read, we know that after they left Egypt that first year, they observed the Passover at Mount Sinai, but then there's really no record whether or not they observed the Passover or not. And some would say probably they didn't observe Passover for 40 years because one of the commands was um, only those who have been circumcised could partake in the Passover. So we see that they, for 40 years, were not circumcising their children. It's speculation as to whether or not they were um, observing Passover or not. But it was to remember the mighty work of God in saving them from their bondage in Egypt. And the the natural response when we realize that God has saved us is to worship him. We see it in verse 27, the people bowed their heads and they worshiped. And now we worship God this morning because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We worship Jesus because he is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in him will live. We worship God because he saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. We worship Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. We have reason this morning to worship God because just as he saved the people of Israel when they left Egypt, he has saved us from our sins and brought us into relationship with him. And so we worship God together this morning. And I pray that you, you, this morning, I know we have uh, lots of regular tenors, I pray that corporately we were worship and celebrating that God had saved us. I hope that that is true for you as an individual. Have you admitted before God that you are a sinner in need of a savior? Have you recognized that, that the payment, uh, the penalty for our sin is death, that we must pay for our sin by death, but that God sent Jesus to come to earth to pay for your sin and for my sin. It's this gift that brings us to eternal life. My prayer this morning is that we have reason to worship him, that we would remember our salvation and it would cause us to worship as we've done this morning. That we would uh, remember God's work in our life. What has he done for you? We've talked about what he's done for us, what he's done through the ministry of the camp, just one example of what he's done for us as a church, but what has he done in your life, or the life of your family? He's worked for, on your behalf in the past, he will do it again in the future. What has God instructed us to do? What are the areas in our life where we've kinda of been like the people of Israel and the circumcision, just for whatever reason, just neglected it? What is God saying to us this morning? You shouldn't be neglecting those things. These are things I've called you to do and you should walk in obedience in those things. And then we should remember God's redemption, his salvation, that he saved us, that we were sinners deserving of death but he has exchanged uh, death for life, that we've get, Jesus died and we receive his life. We remember God's work in the past and it bolsters our faith. When we we remember to obey, it puts us in a position for God to work on our behalf in the future. And when we remember that he saved us, it brings us to worship. Why don't you bow with me this morning? Heavenly Father, your word says in Revelation, worthy are you our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Lord, we're here today because uh, you created the earth and you have put uh, life into us. It's your breath and our lungs is what we sung earlier. And Lord, that's, it's true for those who have cried out to you and said, Lord, I, I'm a sinner, I'm, I have, I have sinned against the holy God, but Lord, I am thankful that you have given this gift of salvation. You sent your son Jesus to die on my behalf. And if that's uh, something that is a new concept to you, maybe you're just really coming to terms with this morning, uh, Leslie and Chrissy Lee are gonna be at the front this morning, and they're gonna uh, just welcome you to, to talk to you about that. Uh, maybe you've got uh, an area in your life like the Israelites who just kind of put this uh, this this uh, command to circumcise to the side, and you've just put some things to the side. You've neglected some of the um, uh, to obey and and to do what God's called you to do in, in areas of your life. And you just need to confess those things this morning. And say, God, you're my Savior. I've I've I've, I've believed in Jesus for for. Um, uh, to pay for my sins on the cross, but man, I'm just still di- uh, I'm living in sin. I'm not dealing with these things. Lord, I confess those things to you this morning. Maybe that's what God's calling you to do. I pray that as a people, we would never forget the way that God's worked in our lives in the past, maybe in a specific situation, uh, certainly for our salvation. Uh, and I pray that as we look back and we remember what you've done for us, Lord, we would have the confidence to step out in faith in the places that you're calling us to step out. Lord, would you give us confidence this morning, whether that's to step out and say, I'm a a sinner in need of a savior today, or whether it's to step out in faith and say, Lord, I believe you're calling me to do this and I'm gonna do it. Or whether it's the the confidence to step out in faith to deal with an area in our lives. Maybe it's the confidence to step out in faith and and, and share with somebody how you've made a difference in our life. Lord, I pray that we would have confidence to do that because you've worked in our, in our lives before. You've promised to do it again. Lord, we worship you this morning for what you've done. Uh, Lord, and we have faith that you have many things left to do both in our lives and in the life of this church. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be a people of faith this week doing the things that you've called us to do. I pray this in Jesus' name.